This message was recorded live at the Life Church UK building. We hope that you are truly blessed and encouraged by today's message. For any more information, please visit us online at lifechurchuk.org. Philippians chapter 3. And as I've said to you last Wednesday, this month, uh, on the Wednesdays, we're going to talk about uh, worship. And, uh, And tonight, I specifically want to focus on our affection. We all have it, and it's somewhere. Your affection is somewhere. God knows where it is. And I pray it's with him that he is our first love. However, as you know the scripture in Revelation chapter 3, that one of the most influential churches where John the Beloved had ministered and lived, Mary, the mother of Jesus, the natural mother of Jesus, passed away there in Ephesus, and she lived there. And Paul, of course, had a great influence on that church. Timothy was a minister pastor there. It was one of the most powerful, influential churches, the Church of Ephesus. However, out of the seven churches that Jesus had to speak to, he had to say to the Church of Ephesus, if you do not regain your first love, your influence will disappear. So we can have a lot of amazing things, but if your affections are not in the right place, all those things eventually lose their influence. You can have a lot of knowledge, you can have a lot of talent, you can have a lot of gifts, you can have everything that people think makes you great, and yet it has no life-giving, transforming impact. What's the use? What's the use to give your whole life for something that doesn't affect anything for eternity? I couldn't bear to live without bearing the fruit of my Savior. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will bear much fruit, and in this my my Father is well pleased. And it has everything to do with our affection, where your first love is. Who has your first love? God knows. He knows, because he has to contend for it. He has to contend for it by his Spirit. He's groaning, yearning within you. Groaning means there is like hunger feelings. He's yearning within you that your first love belongs to him. My first love has to belong to him, not to Virginia. And when my first love is perfect in him, his love in me is perfect towards her. It's funny. One young couple, they were getting married in, in Vancouver, not on this visit, but in July, and they said, what's your love language with your wife? How long have you been married? I said, 40 years. He said, what? And he, he said, what's your love language? I understand. He had been to marriage counseling. And they learned uh, the several love languages and so forth, whatever that all means. And I, and I said to him, I said, God. And he looked at me like, yeah, but no, what, what is it that you really, you, you know, and understood where he was after is where he lives. You know, what makes me really feel loved, and I want you to learn how to 
meet that need, and, and I've learned to have that met in God. See? And to be able to have love for my wife that is not based on this torrent of want and need that makes her always a slave of me. No, that's not the kind of love that I have in my marriage. And I know that kind of, that kind of love always causes more strife and feelings of I'm not good enough for you and I'm never what you really want and I'm never, uh, you know, and I don't want that kind of spirit in my home. But I've learned that the only true lasting love language is God himself because God is love. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't get that. <laughs> you, know, you know, he wanted me on his little plane and I couldn't go there anymore because I've died to what he was looking for. But you see, your affections are really targeted by the world for sure. You know. Mm, I better not tell you all the thoughts I just had. Here we go. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious. For me to repeat myself to you, to remind you, to bring up the issue again, is not a burden to me. So, don't let it bother you, but appreciate it. Because this is for your safety, he says. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of mutilations. These are three kinds of forces by which the enemy comes to hijack our affections and destroy us. Evil. There are people that are evil in their way of thinking. Well, I'd never put up to that. I'd just get rid of her. Hello. This is my wife, the mother of my children and children's children. You're not the kind of counselor I want to be around. Do not sit in the counsel of the ungodly. Sorry. Right? But there are evil workers. There are people that don't have the heart of God and the mind of God. Dogs. What are dogs? Dogs are people that have absolutely no godliness about their reasonings. The ungodly were called dogs, evil workers, and mutilation. And then he is talking about these people that go around with the old law, that the only way you can be truly godly is to be circumcised in the flesh. Right? And that's an interesting, and I can't elaborate on it too long, but there are people that always only look at your outward person. Right? Because they have no gift within them to see who you are in Christ. So they look at your outward person and they see how you could be different in these ways, but they don't connect with the new you. So they're not able to help you come forth in who you are in Christ. They don't understand that way of thinking. They have no consciousness of all. They only deal with the outward man. But God doesn't do that. God can do nothing unless he does it within. God always works from within. And then the fruit comes without. Then eventually you see on the outside what God's worked on the inside. You could see in Abraham, God worked in him. And then we can eventually see the fruit come out of him. Some people want to have a mature tree when they're only just a seed. And I say, you will be a mature tree. Let's just sow it first. Let's sow it into God. Let's sow your life into God. Let's give your life fully to Christ. 
and out of Christ will come a new you. And then over time, there will be branches of maturest ways of acting and thinking and acting. But I understand that it takes time. People come to the church and they immediately want to be in charge of things. And I would love them to be in charge because we need more people. But let's grow up and let's become one first. Well, some people don't have that way of thinking. And this is where we need to not be people that just deal with... I'll tell you one little quick story. There, there, there was this person, this a long, long time ago, and she came to me and she said to me, Pastor Robert, can I ask you a candid question? I said, sure. She said, how is it possible you're the pastor and you have so little discernment? I said, wow, what am I missing? It didn't offend me what she said. I'm not insecure. I said, what am I missing? She said, you've had somebody work for you who talked real bad about you and you did nothing about it. Immediately I knew who she was talking about. It's not somebody here right now, so don't worry. <laughs> yeah, don't look at my son-in-law, Jamie. <laughs> no, and uh, immediately I knew who she's talking about. The person who she's talking about takes 5% grace to connect in the spirit with that person, and there's the new person. Oh, and she's a beautiful person in Christ. And the respect I have for that person is enormous because I know the hell she has to face on a day-to-day basis and how amazing she is in Jesus to be able to face that. You're not always seeing how great you are when you're just sitting. You see how great you are when you face your Goliath in life, right? So I have so much love and respect for that person. Plus, I knew that person already for 25 years So in Christ. So now I know nothing against that person. And the scripture just came to me because this was not about that person. It was about this person. And the scripture came to me. I said, have you never read in Ecclesiastes? Do not listen into your servants' conversations, for you may hear them curse you, knowing that you yourself have not always spoken wisely as well. I said, and what about the love of God that covers a multitude of sin? No, this person you're talking about is amazing. I love them with all my heart. But you see, it's mutilators. They find a little fault in somebody and they're ready to mutilate them. I am not a mutilator. God forbid. And Virginia's not either. Do you understand? I believe in God and he showed his love by sending his son to love people. People. Jesus died for people. God loves people. And this is what he then says. But we are the circumcision, yes, who worship God in spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. How do you know that somebody is truly circumcised? It is because they're alive unto God. When we are ministering by the Holy Spirit, they connect. They immediately, oh, this is God, this is God. How do you know somebody's not circumcised? They don't connect. Their heart is still sealed by the natural man. The natural man is in charge. You can never transform, change anybody who's in the flesh. You can't do it. Ask the law who tried. The law is beautiful, amazing but it makes nobody perfect. 
You cannot change people by the flesh. You can't. And if you're in the flesh, then you say, oh, they'll never change. They'll never change. And people that think this way and talk this way don't know my Jesus. My Jesus who died and rose again to demonstrate the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. How do I know somebody's been circumcised in the heart? It's because when the Spirit comes, they connect. They become alive. They become manifest. They worship God in spirit and in truth. Right? Rejoice in Jesus. It is Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. So in the few minutes I have left, all of us, have to learn this, and it's not always easy to learn. And I know that from my own journey, oh my goodness, it sometimes took forever, it felt like, for that natural man to not keep exerting himself and giving me a consciousness of I'm not good enough for God was my battle, was my battle. I'll never forget, it was probably around that time, 1980, 80, uh, 1997, around that time, 97. I lay down on 1998, 1999, not 97. I lay down on the bed next to my dear wife. I said, oh darling, I'm so tired of this battle within me that I'm not good enough for God. It is so harsh against me. And she said nothing. She just laid her hand upon me and she said, you will not fight this anymore. Jesus has fought it for you. And pop, the battle was over because we agreed in Jesus. It's amazing when we live in that kind of power, how people that come among us that have battles in their natural nature get a breakthrough. Seriously, it's more powerful than we can imagine. Somebody can have a battle, let's say they have a battle with pornography, and you have gone through the battle and Jesus has won it in you, and now you live in Him, His Spirit, free from that monster. And you live in His authority that keeps you free. He doesn't only set you free, He keeps you free. And you live in this freedom. And you're just free. You, you uh, don't think about it. You know, it used to be constantly pulling on you. Now, uh, nothing there. You're free. Whom the sun sets free? free. Okay, so you're in this freedom. And somebody sits down next to you in church. And they said, oh, okay. you know, pastor says, okay, look at the person next to you. And just lay hands on each other and pray. And you say, oh, Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your blessing. And they begin to cry and say, oh, I've been so tormented, so tormented. I feel totally set free. You see how easy it is? See how wonderful it works? See how marvelous this is? Who is now the one who set that person free? Jesus in you, not you. So Paul says, I have no confidence in the flesh. Right? And he explains real quickly what he means. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he might have confidence in the flesh, I'm much more so. 
circumcised the eighth day, which is according to law, of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness, which is, in, which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, what gave me a sense of significance, value, and worth, these I've counted loss for Christ's sake, and so forth. So, let's close with this thought. Where is the real affection of your life? Has everything to do with where your identity is, your significance, your worth? You see, Paul had this identity as a Pharisee. He had this sense of worth, self-worth, in that he was a Hebrew of the tribe of Benjamin. None of that was going to produce the fruits of the new covenant, of the new kingdom. None of that. None of that. None of it. I could say to you, my father was a great apostle, Johann Masbach, without question, he was. My mom and my dad are phenomenal. So, see, I am great because they were great. I don't have this way of thinking in any form of fashion. Do I? Respect, love, appreciate them. Am I grateful for the example I grew up in? Yes. But I know that which is born after the flesh dies. But that which is born after the spirit lives eternally. I cannot look to that and try to be something. I have to look to Jesus. In him I live and move. I'm crucified with him to the natural man, Robert. I am alive in him. My significance is his life in him. My worth, my identity, my whole way of thinking. My whole way of thinking. Because listen to this. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 29, no flesh will glory in his presence. I actually do the opposite. <laughs> To what? To, I'm this, I'm that, right? Masbach, this or that. I do the opposite to that. Hide me, hide me, my heavenly Father. It says in Colossians 3 verse 4, I'm hidden in the bosom of the Father in Christ. I said, Father, hide me, hide me, that I, Robert, the natural man, am hidden, that you are glorified through your Son in me that I'm clothed with this new life, the life of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Father, I pray that in nothing I will be ashamed of myself, but that you magnify your Son in me. Oh, Father, I am so grateful that it pleases you to reveal your Son in me. That's Galatians 1, 15, 16, and, and, and you know, Philippians 1, verse 19. And I just pray these things day and night day and I. So I do not boast after the flesh. And I tell you the truth, what is some of the fruit that comes out of that pursuit of faith? His meekness. What is his meekness? What is the Savior's meekness? His submission to the Father that he says, when you see me, you see the Father. 
When you receive me, you receive the Father. The words I speak to you, I speak not out of my own authority. It's my Father who's in me, who's doing the works. I have not come to represent myself. It's the Father who bears witness of me. And I know what he witnesses of me is true. You find these scriptures in John. And he says, I'm not seeking for my own honor, my own glory. No, I come not representing myself, John chapter 5. I come to you representing my Father to you. So Jesus lived in that, and that's his meekness. <laughs> this is not my church. This is not my church. I would never think such a thought. That would be sin to me and the devil's way of thinking for me to think. It's not my church. I'm not the boss or the chief or the master here. Jesus is. It's his church, his people. And that is the meekness that comes out of that pursuit. Not my meekness, his meekness. Learn of me, Jesus said in Matthew 11, that I'm meek and humble of heart and you will find rest. Rest in what? In your pursuit to be, to achieve. I would never want to go to churches as if I'm some great something. No, Virginia and I never think this way, never talk that way, the opposite, the opposite. And I pray that we as a congregation bear the marks of a true Redeemer and Savior, that when people come among us, they don't get another form of religion, but they get a life with the Father through the Son, communion with our Father that is unbroken, that's eternal and everlasting, and it's founded upon the great mercies of His precious blood, ever interceding for us to have that life and that we have this meekness about us, this lowliness, and that people can say, how can you be this powerful and have this much anointing and sit in this bitty, bitty church? You could, you could, you could, you could, you could. And you kind of go, I don't want to know that language. I don't want to know that. What you are looking for is to be something. What I'm looking for is to be for him to be all in all. And this power that you feel is not mine. It's not my virtue. It's not my godliness. But it's Jesus what you're feeling. We're his house, his body. Now, come on. Let's learn this language. Let's pursue this with all of our soul. And you come into a worship that's not Okay, I've got to have my 10 minutes. Of, oh, oh yeah, I'm, I'm really doing better now. I'm doing so much time a day and you're still boasting in self. No, you're living it every day and every, every, every moment that just keeps coming to you because you live in it, it can pull on you because it has you and you live in this worship, worship. You worship the Father in spirit. You worship him rejoicing in Christ and you have no confidence in self, in the flesh. Loving Savior, help us to grow up in this holy, heavenly life and burn up all the dross of self-seeking. Burn up all the dross of self-exaltation. Burn up all the dross 
of trying to be somebody and trying to find our significance in ourselves when in you we are holy, well-beloved, accepted and well-pleasing. Begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Hide us, Lord. Hide us from the praise of man. Hide us from the honor of man, Lord. Hide us, hide us. We want you to receive all the glory and the honor and praise in all that we are, say and do. Oh, hide us, Lord, hide us. Hide us in yourself that you are the praise and the glory of who we are. We worship you, loving Father. We praise you, loving Father. We want to see you hallowed in all that we are, say and do. We want to be one body, Lord. And all of us have the privilege to be part of that body in whatever way that your grace works. We worship you, loving Holy One. We worship you, my Holy One. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. We give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. Come on, just a bit more. We give you praise, Lord Jesus. We give you praise. Oh, Father, we give you praise. We give you praise, Father. Surprise everybody by how you're glorifying yourself in each and every one of us. The people will say, oh, it can't be you, it can't be you. And you say, it's not me, it's him, it's him. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Oh, we give you praise, Lord. We give you praise. Oh, in Jesus' name. Give us all sweet sleep. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our message today. We hope you feel encouraged, blessed, and strengthened for the week ahead. If there's anything you need, anything we can do at all to help and support you, please don't hesitate to contact us by visiting our website at www.lifechurchuk.org. 